Welcome to the Reformation Church podcast. I am your host, Lead Pastor Justin Epps. And today on the podcast, we'll be tackling a question sent in by listener Philip asking about witnessing or sharing our faith with someone over an extended period of time. And so his question uh, reads like this. He asks, how much of witnessing to others is saying and doing all the right things versus the redemptive work that the Lord is doing in their hearts? And how can we trust that this work is taking place or is going to take place in the ones we are witnessing to uh, who know us the best, like family members, friends, coworkers? Surely the ones who know us best know that we don't stack up to the standard of being little Christ day in and day out. So how does grace cover our shortcomings and our interactions with those who don't understand or have not yet received the Lord's grace in their own hearts? To give a little bit of a background here with this question um, for someone maybe that doesn't come from a, a church background or church upbringing, we believe as Christians that at the end of Jesus's ministry, after he's died and he's resurrected, that he calls his disciples to go out and to be witnesses uh, to the things that they've seen and they've heard and go tell other people and invite them uh, to turn from their sins and put their faith and their allegiance in Jesus as Savior King. And so Christians today feel a sense of duty to say, man, out of obedience to Jesus' command and just an overflow of of knowing Jesus, I want to tell other people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who aren't followers of Jesus, I want to tell them about what he's done for them, how he loves them, and I want to invite them to turn from their sin to put their faith and allegiance in Jesus. Okay. Now what Philip's wrestling with here in this question is I think found at the very beginning of it where he asks, how much is uh, of me sharing my faith is me saying and doing all of the right things and how much of it, like if we're on a scale kind of weighing it out, how much of it is God's end of doing, you know, this part of it. And I think there's dangers in swinging fully one way or fully the other way, right? If all of sharing Christ is done um, in our own power by us being eloquent enough, by us being creative enough, by us being compelling, engaging, entertaining enough, right? Whatever it may look like, that's a huge pressure to put on us to say like, man, if I don't share it right, if my presentation isn't perfect, you know, if I don't smell nice enough, if I don't look nice enough, you know, if I don't come across confident enough, whatever it may be, man, these people are going to reject Jesus, because I didn't do a good enough job. And that's terrifying. Now, the other end of it, it could be, man, if God does all of the work, um, man, how small of an obligation do I have kind of thing, right? I don't need to really worry about it. I don't have to put a lot of uh, effort into my presentation. I don't have to put a lot of effort in anything, man. If God's doing all of the work, then I can just kind of share. And if it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be. If it's not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be. That's what I think as we dig into this today, as we try to figure out, man, what is this balance uh, to wrestle through this question for Phil? What we're going to see is a combination of both, that there is a serious effort and a serious responsibility uh, put on people and how they share and communicate the message of Jesus. But there's also, man, this 
kind of refuge and blessing that um, these promises that God is working alongside of us as we're presenting. And so just to kind of dive in together real quick, uh, I want to look at a few things. So when we're talking about the human role in this, okay, um, God has ordained, and this is all throughout the scripture, right? Whenever God gets ready to do something, a lot of times how he is ordained to do it is to work through people. And this is wild to us because of how flawed and broken people uh, typically tend to be, right? But, I mean, really almost from the opening pages of Scripture, God, when he's getting ready to do something, he involves people in it. And one of the, the best examples, like in Exodus, where God comes to Moses, he says, Moses, um, my people are enslaved and I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to set them free. So, I'm sending you to go rescue my people and set them free. And Moses is like, God, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. I'm, I'm not well-spoken. You know, I'm not, I don't have all of these abilities that would be necessary to be able to pull this off. And what God ensures Moses of is I'm not sending you out on this mission by yourself. I'm going to be the one doing it, but I want to partner with you. I want to bring you along in this to be a part of what I'm doing. And that's maybe the clearest example I can use of what, uh, the scripture describes is happening when we're sharing Jesus with somebody else that he calls us to do it, but God is right there alongside of us as we're doing it. Uh, one of the biggest texts for this is second uh, Corinthians chapter five. Uh, and listen to how Paul describes this. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is what Paul is saying. Man, what God is doing through Jesus is he's extending an invitation for people to be forgiven and to be reconnected, restored to God in a relationship. And he's entrusted that message to us, that he wants us to tell other people about what he's doing but this is how he says this. This is uh, right coming up in verse 20. He says, therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. But listen to this. God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He's saying when we make this appeal, the, the yes, it is us making the appeal, but at a deeper level, it's God making the appeal through us. And so to answer your first question, Philip, um, there is certainly an extent to where um, you can't fully swing the door one way or the other to say, man, God is just um, completely apart from us doing this work. And it doesn't matter what we say and do at the same time. We same time, we can't say that God doesn't have any kind of part in this. That it's just our own natural ability. Uh, I want to share a few other passages with you. Talking about our part, we have a responsibility to share, and God has ordained uh, that we are the agent that he wants to use to do this. All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They'll be you know, reconciled and forgiven of their sins. But how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching. There's an obligation on behalf of Christians to 
preach and to share this message. And the way that's always described is not that they just sort of throw it out half-heartedly. Paul's preaching and the preaching of the apostles throughout the New Testament is described as them reasoning with these people, persuading them, urging them, compelling them, right? They're doing everything in their own power to bring this message to folks. And they're even adapting. This is wild. They're adapting the message, not the content of it, but the presentation of it. They're adapting that with each person they encounter, depending on their background. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about to the Jew, he's becoming a certain way. He's presenting the message in a certain way that they can understand it and receive it better. To the Greeks, he's presenting the message in a, a different way. It's the same message of reconciliation. It's the same message um, of what Jesus has done, but he's presenting it in a way that they can understand it. This is verse 22 of chapter 9. He says, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all people that by all means, I might save some. And so he sees it very much. We have a real obligation on our part to preach and share and to try to do that well, to try to adapt the message well, to try to uh, preach compellingly. And so God being involved in it and God working in it does not let us off the hook with having to share. But it also doesn't let us off the hook in regards to our behavior. Uh, there's several places in Scripture, I'm just going to share two with you, that talks about how our behavior can actually be a part of what God uses to win people to himself. Uh, Matthew 5, uh, verses 13 through 16, he's having a conversation with his disciples, and Jesus is telling them, um, you have this identity, this is verse 14 through 16, you have this identity as the light. If you're following me, you're going to be a light in a dark world. But he tells them in verse 16 that they should let that light shine out, not cover it up, but let that light shine out so that when people see their good deeds, it will cause them to give glory to their father in heaven. He's calling them to live in such a way that people outside that are looking at them are going to be turned towards or compelled towards God by watching their behavior. And so what they do matters. First uh, Peter chapter 3 He's talking to wives, this is verses 1 and 2. He says, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, this is wild, even if they don't obey the word, they might be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see you respectful and your pure conduct. Uh, Peter's telling them, wives, listen, you can live in such a way by, by living this life of purity and respect and everything like that, you can live in such a way uh, that your husband, who is not a follower of Jesus, can be compelled and won by seeing what Jesus is doing in you. And so part of witnessing and sharing is, you know, and I maybe wouldn't use the same words you used of saying and doing all the right things, but it is like, man, saying and sharing the message as clearly and as compellingly as we can with all the urgency that we can. And it's also us striving to live in a way that is honoring to God, that shows that transformation Jesus is doing in our lives. Because when people see that, it can be compelling and it can help draw them to that relationship. But at the same time, um, man, if it's 100% our effort, it's also 100% the work of God in their hearts. Uh, the scripture tells us on one occasion, this is in Acts 16, that before they've even gotten to this lady named Lydia, this is verse uh, 14, that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
Paul's going in there. He's doing. He's following the commandment. He's doing his part to preach. But before Paul is even preaching, it says God's doing this work in the heart of this woman Lydia. Paul's obeying the call to preach. This is First Corinthians chapter two verses one through five. But listen how he talks about his speech and stuff. He says, "Brothers, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech." or with wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul is communicating to this church to say, listen, as much effort and stuff as I'm putting into this. I didn't try to come at you and just be clever enough to trick you. I didn't come just to seem intellectual enough or eloquent enough, you know, smooth enough that I'd sell you on this idea. He's saying that even as he's preaching, he didn't come with persuasive words, but he came with a demonstration of the spirit's power. That should compel us that, man, something is happening where I I would describe this as as this partnership. And this is how God has done it from the opening pages of the scripture all the way to the end. That he's chosen to say, I want to accomplish this thing. In this uh, instance, he's talking about, I want to invite people to be reconciled to me. I want to tell them about what I've done to forgive their sins and invite them, uh, compel them to be reconciled to me. And what God has chosen to do is to say, my way of doing it is by inviting um, my followers and my disciples uh, to be the means or the agent through which I accomplish this thing. And that is super duper wild. And so when we talk about the guarantee, right, this is the second part of your question. How can we trust that this work is taking place or is going to take place with the ones who know us best? What I'm imagining you're getting at that. Um, and when you talk about uh, our shortcomings and the, we fall short of the standard, is you're saying, listen, man, I want to present this invitation of Jesus, but I also know that these people that are around me know that, man, like I am not always on my A game with how I would uh, present these things verbally, right? But then also I'm not always on my A game with the way that I live. There's times where you're going to fall short. There's times that our brokenness and our sin still comes to the surface very, very clearly for everyone around us to see. And so what he's asking is, man, how do I know that this work is going to take place, that that they're going to still hear this message if I still struggle with so much of this brokenness? And how do I know that my efforts to share with people are going to be good enough if I continually fall short in this way? And I do think the answer is found in the fact that it's not just us that is presenting this invitation to people. If it was all on us, then man, you know, we're messed up because we're not going to be perfect. We are going to fall short. But if it's God making his appeal through us, then the question that we have to wrestle with is how much am I uh, a willing vessel to be used We know from the scripture, God wants to use you. God wants to use me to invite people to be reconciled to himself. And that's his plan. That's what he wants to do. That's plan A. There is no plan B. If God wants that, then the question is, man, how obedient are we being? And to what degree are we opening ourselves up to be used as his partners in this beautiful mission that we've been invited to? 
man, because it is him making the appeal through us, I think what he'd encourage us to do is, man, just go out there and be obedient, right? Go out there and give it a whirl. Um, do your very best on your end, man, to live a life of purity and to present his invitation with as much clarity as you can. Then also know that it's not just you alone that's doing this. It's him as well. And so we don't want to just kind of remain in our shortcomings or remain in our sin, knowing that that does compromise the message. But at the same time, we have to recognize, man, the degree to which we get it all right is not necessarily going to change somebody's heart in their life. God is making that appeal and they have a decision. And this is where I want to close with this episode. They have a decision about what they're going to do with this message after it's presented to them. Jesus talks about this a lot in the gospel of John, where um, he presents his invitation for people to believe in him. But he recognizes that after the invitations out there, they have to do something with it. And depending on your theological background, you have different ideas about maybe how that works. But man, this invitation is placed out there. He calls people to respond. He calls people to turn away from their sin and they come put their faith and their allegiance in him. And what they do with that is outside of our hands. Uh, that's a decision that the person listening and receiving has to act upon. And so, Philip, just as a final encouragement to you today, uh, I'd encourage you, go out, share Christ, live a life of as much purity as you can to follow Jesus and to honor Jesus. But recognize that as you're sharing with people, it is not just you that is doing that work. God has come to you and to me, just like Moses, to say, hey, I want to rescue people and restore them to myself. And I'm sending you to be a part of me doing it. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Uh, if you have questions for the podcast, uh, you can go to www.reformationgrovetown.com. Go over to our podcast tab and you can submit a question there. You can put your name on it or it can be completely anonymous. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to help kind of wrestle with your question and give a response on the podcast. I hope you have a great day. I hope this is encouraging to you. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.